It's always fun to run on Easter. <laughs> so one Sunday of the year, you get to run in church, amen? Because that first Easter morning, everybody was running around, kind of getting kind of crazy. And so great, great worship. Appreciate Brother David and the, and the worship team. They did a great job. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this morning, we're going to start in a very unusual place. We're going to start back with a more modern-day prophet by the name of Jack Webb, known as Joe Friday. How many of you are familiar with Jack Webb, all right? And so he's not in the Bible, so don't look in your concordance. But anyway, he was on a TV show, Dragnet, and he's kind of renowned for saying, all we want are the facts, ma'am. And some have kind of abbreviated that but uh, to just the facts, ma'am. But I believe this is what he said, all we want is the facts. And by the way, I found out, Brother Pete uh, Bomarito, who's a retired police officer, he said the reason he went into police work was because of Jack Webb, all right, this TV program. But anyway, uh, he would just kind of go around again, kind of keep it simple. And he's the only civilian, by the way, he wasn't a real police officer, but only, only civilian to actually have a police funeral, and they retired his badge. Isn't that, isn't that kind of amazing? So anyway, today we're just going to talk about some of the facts around Easter. And Easter begins always on Friday with the crucifixion of the Lord. And so the number one fact, or the first fact, is that death is certain. It's a reality. The Bible reminds us in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die. And so death is a part of the Easter story because there is no resurrection without death. Because death never speaks of the spirit, but of the physical body. So resurrection is always about the body. And so death is a reality. It's amazing that one of the things that people fear most is death. Well, I want to give you some good news. You don't have to fear because we are going to die. All right, I want to go ahead and just kind of get that out of the way. Fear, according to the latest stats, 10 out of 10 people die, all right? So one day, we're all going to die. But that's part of the Easter story as we think about death. And I love how this picture, and I think it pictures it so beautifully. The last verse of James 2 says, The body without the spirit is dead. I want to tell you that your spirit, again, will live forever. One day, this earth suit will wear out. My spirit will step out of my earth suit, and that one day this body will be resurrected because of Easter. And so that's what we're here to celebrate. And so death, what we call death, is again just your spirit stepping out of your earth suit. You know, in the Bible, there were people who seemed to cheat death. I think about those people in the early days before the flood who seemed to be the ultimate energizer bunny, that they were going to never, ever die. Adam, who lived to be 930, Noah, 950, and then the ultimate, Methuselah, 969. He had to seem like he was never going to die. But the reality is that, again, death is a part of life. There were people in the Bible who had incredibly short lives. Think about David's infant son, about seven days old, Job's children that were taken far too young. And so in the Bible, we never know whether people have a long life, short life. There's Hezekiah who got a 15-year extension on his life, but yet he too had to die. And then there was Lazarus. He had to die twice. He, Jesus called him back from the grave, but then again, at some point, 
he had to die. And so, again, death is a part of the Easter story because, again, it's the crucifixion that kind of helps us celebrate on Easter Sunday. And one of my traditions over the last few years is going to a local cemetery and just kind of walking through it before Easter. And I know that sounds a little bit strange, but, you know, it's amazing that as you walk through a cemetery, there's so much that you can learn and there's so many stories that each cemetery says and tells. And this particular cemetery, Peace Cemetery, some other uh, one sign said Eternal Peace Cemetery, but it's located east of Wentzville, Missouri. And so I spent the day kind of walking through this cemetery. They have a whole section for our veterans, and I always appreciate that. I appreciate our veterans. And this was a fellow, 71 years old. Both of these guys served in World War II. One passed away at the age of 52. And so as I, I walk through the cemetery, again, I always try to think, I wonder what the stories are behind these individuals and the lives that they touched. This was the youngest person I found in the cemetery, and almost kind of a homemade stone, if you will, only three months and six days old. And so I sat there for a little while just looking at this uh, man-made stone, just thinking about this incredible young life and how short it was, and yet the imprint this life must have made on his family. And then I came across these two stones together. Now, I don't know if they're brothers. I don't know if they're cousins, but they were side by side, so I believe they were probably related one died at 21 years old, one at 23 years old. And so I think to myself how tragic that must have been on that family to deal with those two young deaths. And then I found a Cardinal fan, Terry Ragsdale. Don't know anything about him, but uh, 51 years old. It's obvious there that he enjoyed the Cardinals, all right? So that was from all the things around it. And then I came across this headstone here which will forever be incredibly special to me because this is the headstone of my mom. And so I spent some time, and I got to tell you, I'm not one to always go to the cemetery because I know my mom is not there. Her earth suit is there. But you know, I just spent some time just thinking about when she passed away at 43 years old. I was just 13 years old. But just spent some time kind of reflecting. And right next to my mom's grave, was just a grave marker. There wasn't a headstone, but I took a picture of it, and I didn't realize, I guess I forgot or didn't realize, this is where my niece, who died one year after my mom, three years old, was buried, and she doesn't even have a grave marker. I told my sister, I called my sister and said, I got to get a grave marker for Cindy. I didn't realize she didn't have a grave marker. And so right next to my mom... Cindy was buried, my niece, again, who died at just three years of age. And so I just want to say that death is a part of life. And the reason Easter is so special is because this life is temporary. One day we are going to die. There is something on the other side. And to understand the victory over, over death, again, just the reality that one day we all are going to face death. But there is something on the other side. And so when we think about the Easter story, I always go back to Calvary. And if you get the chance to go to Israel, one of the places they will probably take you is a, a possible site where Jesus died. 
And so we know the Bible says they brought him to a place uh, called Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Almost every picture I've ever seen of Calvary growing up in church was always three crosses on a hill way out in the middle of nowhere. But I just want to be honest, the Romans never crucified way off away from everybody. They would always crucify right alongside a main roadway. And so this particular place, and the reason they think it possibly could be the place where Jesus died... Uh, because this cliff kind of resembles a skull. Now, it's wore down over time, but how it used to look is this. That's how it used to look many years ago. And so you could at least understand why this possibly could be Golgotha, the place of the skull. But instead of the cross being on the top, I think it would be down right alongside the road. And this, by the way, is right outside one of the main entrances into Jerusalem because we know he was crucified just outside the city gate. And so again, we're not sure if this is the place. It certainly could have been the place, but he would not have been crucified up on the hill, but he would have been crucified right along the roadway where people could mock and make fun and people would obviously know what happens if you somehow go against the Roman government. And so again, Jesus died. Here's some of the facts we know about his death taken from the four gospel accounts. In the place where they crucified him, there was a garden. We know that. It seems unusual that you would crucify someone in a garden setting. Now the word garden, we think of a garden as a vegetable garden or something like that, but the word literally, it could be a garden of trees, an orchard, or it could be a garden as we think of it. But there is a garden right here by Calvary, and this is the tomb, and they're both maybe about a hundred yards apart in the same particular garden area. We also know in the garden there was a new tomb, the Bible says, which no one had ever laid. And we know this belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And so Joseph was very gracious in giving his tomb. I love that gospel song. And sometimes we say, boy, that was awesome that Joseph gave him his tomb. But I just want you to think about it. He only used it for the weekend. Amen. He wasn't going to use it long. But the gospel accounts say there was a new tomb. And again, this is unusual for us. The Bible says the tomb was near where Jesus was crucified. And again, we don't know for sure this is the tomb, but it certainly meets all the criteria that the Bible gives. And we also know the tomb was cut out of solid rock. That is amazing. And only someone who was very wealthy would be able to chisel out a tomb out of solid rock. And you can actually step into this tomb and there's like a, a waiting room in the, in the front of it, if you will, where maybe eight or ten people can gather. That's how big it is. And then off to the right, if you go in, there's a place for two bodies to be laid. But only one was finished. And it was so detailed, it even had a rock pillow. How many of you know that means a lot, to have a rock pillow? So there was a rock pillow carved out of one side. So again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that it was cut out of solid rock. The Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene and another Mary, they came and they saw where Jesus was laid. That was important because they were going to come on Easter morning so they knew where he was. The Bible also tells us the tomb was made secure, sealing the tomb and setting a guard. They did everything they could to keep Jesus 
in that tomb. And how many of you know, no matter what the world does, they cannot stop Easter. And so they did everything they could. How they sealed it, we're not sure 100%. Some believe they drove stakes on both sides of the, of the stone and maybe put a cord across it saying that no one could break that seal without dying and facing consequences by the Roman government. But fact number two is that Jesus conquered death. No matter how hard they tried, no matter what they did to keep him in the tomb, on Sunday morning, Jesus rose out of that grave. And the reason that's so important is that we are all going to die. All of us are going to face death. And why Easter is so important, it tells us there's hope. There's something beyond the grave that Jesus conquered the grave. We no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to fear because Jesus conquered the grave. The women, the Bible says, went in the tomb and they didn't find the body. And again, if you don't understand, it seems unusual that you could go inside of the tomb. But again, you could fit inside. And over here on the left would be the place that they had finished in the tomb. And on the closer side would be the rock pillow on this side. And then the Bible says in Luke's gospel that there was an angel sitting at the head and at the feet of where the body was lying. And again, that may not make sense, but you go inside of this tomb and there's a ledge both at the head and at the feet. And one of the angels said, why do you seek the living among the dead. And so there was a lot of excitement that day as they began to run and Mary Magdalene ran back to the disciples and told them. And then John and Peter ran to the tomb. By the way, John's gospel records that they both ran to the tomb. By the way, who got there first? You remember? John. In his own gospel, John pointed out he beat Peter there, all right? So it's interesting, John got there first, and the Bible says he just looked in. He didn't go in, but he just looked in. But when Peter got there, he went right in. Peter's just one of those guys that's all in on everything. And after Peter went in, then John had boldness. He went in as well. But there were a lot of people running that day, a lot of excitement that day on the resurrection. It's interesting, the first person Jesus revealed himself to, I would have thought it would have been the Baptist pastor, amen? But the first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. Isn't that awesome? A woman who had seven demons, a woman who probably was written off by many of the churches, but yet she had a love for Jesus. And Jesus first appeared to her. And the Bible says she in turn ran to the disciples. And again, a lot of commotion going on. And the resurrection would become a vital part of our gospel message. And fact number three, because Jesus conquered death, we too will be resurrected. I've got great news. When we die, our spirit steps out of our earth suit. I can't tell you the joy and the goosebumps I get every time I do the funeral for a believer. And I sit at the graveside and I think to myself, one day this body that's going in the grave, one day this body is going to be resurrected and be reunited to their spirit because of 2,000 years ago when Jesus conquered 
the grave. That's why the Easter story is so awesome. Because death is a reality. We're going to die. But aren't you glad that we're not going to live forever on this side? I'm glad that God has something better on the other side. And that's why the resurrection was such a vital part of the doctrine of the early church. As a matter of fact, the religious leaders, they commanded the disciples not to teach or preach about the resurrection. But they couldn't help it. The Bible says with great power, they gave witness to the resurrection because it's the resurrection that gives us hope. There is something beyond this life. That's why when we see a believer die, the Bible says we're not to sorrow as others who have no hope. We still sorrow, but we also understand that God has something better on the other side because Jesus conquered the grave. And so this again is kind of a picture of the Peace Cemetery and a picture of my mom's headstone kind of looking down the hill. Lee Strobel um, in the case for Christ said this, every shred of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also evidence for my eventual resurrection. Josh McDowell, who set out to prove the Bible wrong, he wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, a very powerful book, but he gives all the evidence, even from a worldly side, that Jesus died. Even history records there was a man, Jesus, who died. But history cannot record that he was resurrected. They don't know what happened to him, but we know what happened to him because the Bible gives us that account. And so you can go into the tomb of any religion in the world and you can still find their leader buried in their grave. But only one, Christianity, has an empty tomb. And so we're here to celebrate that Jesus has been victorious over death and the grave. Josh McDowell said after more than 700 hours of studying this subject and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I've come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever forced upon the minds of men or it is the most fantastic fact in history. I want to tell you, we can live with hope. I mean, we don't have to fear death because we are going to die unless the Lord comes back. But to know there's something beyond the grave. Our spirit's going to go be with the Lord. One day our, our earth suit will be resurrected as well. I love how in John chapter 5, let's read together. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now somebody may say, I don't want to be resurrected. You're going to be resurrected. Everybody's going to be resurrected. You're either going to be resurrected to live with the Lord forever in heaven. Or you're going to be resurrected to be separated from God forever in the lake of fire. But you're going to live forever and everyone will be resurrected. And so fact number four, and I want to kind of stop on this. We have to choose. You know, how many of you know that every time that you hear the gospel message, you make a decision? People will say, how many decisions did you have on Easter? I always like to say, all of them. Everybody decided. Because you have to decide whether you receive or reject the gospel message. I don't know who it was said that when you come to a fork in the road, take it. You obviously got to go one way or the other. And the truth is... That every person who has ever lived or will ever live will make a decision about Easter. 
They'll make a decision about Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and rising again the third day. And we either accept that Jesus died for us and that he conquered the grave or we reject that. And I want to close by just looking in Acts chapter 17 when Paul preached at Athens and he talked about the resurrection. There were three different responses to his message. Number one, it says some people mocked in disbelief. And there will be people who flat out will not receive the Easter story. They will reject the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. There were others who wanted to hear more, so they put off making a decision But the Bible says some believed and were saved. And this morning, we we heard very beautifully the gospel message through song. And as we celebrate the Easter story, it always requires us to think to ourselves, have we accepted Jesus Christ? I just want to share about a year and a half ago, and I shared this on a Sunday morning about a year and a half ago. I had the privilege, I had a call to do a funeral for a young lady, 16 years old, who died in her sleep. And I can't tell you how, how that stirs my heart to think someone so young would die in their sleep. And they, as far as I know, they didn't know why she passed away. But I had the privilege. I never try to turn down a funeral. I always think it's a great opportunity to love on the family and just to encourage the family. And when I got to meet the mom and got to talk with the mom... I didn't realize that they had been to our church. And they had come to our church about maybe nine months before this young lady passed away. And she said, it just so happened on the Sunday we were at church, you gave the gospel presentation and you asked anyone who wanted to receive Christ to stand right where they were. And she said, I I just want to tell you that my daughter stood that day to receive Christ. I just got goosebumps up and down. I mean, I just could not tell you what that meant to me that this young lady made a commitment to Christ. And as I shared at the funeral service, there was a sea of young people, as you might imagine. And that day I did something I don't normally do at a funeral. But I gave an invitation and I said, I'm going to ask you young people that want to receive Jesus Christ to stand right where you are. And there were probably about 35 young people that stood. Two of them were her cousins who were sitting right on the front. And of all the decisions we make in life, and I know Easter's a time to get together with family. I know there's some candy. There's some fun things about Easter. But it is the greatest message. It is the most powerful message we can give the world is that Jesus conquered death and the grave and we're going to live forever and these earth suits are going to be resurrected and forever be with the Lord. Can you imagine anyone knowing that and hearing that and walking away saying, I'm going to take my chances? I can't imagine anyone taking their chances. I mentioned Josh McDowell who set out to prove the Bible wrong and in all of his research he believed that all the evidence weighed in favor of the Bible being true and he got saved. You know the evidence is there. The world says that Jesus died. The world says that he was buried but the world doesn't know what happened to him but we do because we have the account in God's word. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take just a minute, and I want to ask you the most important question I could ask you. 
Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, and I hope that we live another 50, 75 years, but if you were to die today and step into eternity, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would be welcomed into heaven, not because of your good works, not because of all the things you've done, but because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I want us to take a minute, and I'm just going to ask you to bow, if you will. If you're here today, and maybe you're not sure that you've ever made that decision. I was a member of a church for probably five years, but I knew in my heart I had never truly accepted Christ. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. I believe that message of hope was one of the most powerful doctrines in the early church. It gave them hope. If you're here today, just right where you are, you don't, I'm not asking you to come down, but right where you are, if you want to pray that prayer, I just want you to stand right where you are. Is there anybody here today that would say, I want to pray that prayer? Okay, I don't see anyone standing. I hope that means that everyone here has made that commitment to Jesus Christ. But I want to pray a simple prayer, and I want you guys, you can just whisper this prayer. It's nothing magical. But if you haven't invited Christ into your life, and maybe for whatever reason you felt embarrassed to stand, you don't have to stand. But would you just whisper this prayer, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you that you were buried and that you rose again victorious over the grave. I ask you to forgive me. I just ask you to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I want us all to stand for just a moment. As the music plays softly, if you're here today and you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you, you can slip out and come. I want you, if you will, just to kind of look around and would you pray for those people right around you? Just pray for safety as everyone travels and celebrates Easter. But I pray that the message of Easter would just encourage us each and every day as a believer. great to see you today. I hope you have an amazing Easter. I didn't share, but if you're new here, one of my traditions is to always wear a pair of carpenter pants on Easter and Christmas. And I always wear a pair of carpenter pants because Jesus came as a simple carpenter. He could have come as a politician. He could have come as a banker. But he came as a carpenter to build the ultimate bridge between earth and heaven. And I just want to remind you of the obvious, that God loves you, 
that God died so that he could live with you forever. And I truly hope that none of you walk out of here without knowing for sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest part of Easter, the great celebration of the Easter message. 